0: And currently we're working our way verse by verse through the first book of the Bible, Genesis. Today's episode is part two of a lesson that we began last time and didn't quite have a chance to finish it. So when Jesus says, I am, he's identifying himself as the one in the bush. And here we have Exodus chapter three, verse three. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see Yeshua or Jesus. Yeah, it looks like he did. It looks like Jesus was there. It looks like his fingerprints are all over this. Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. You know this story, right? This is the Passover angel coming through. This is the 10th and last plague. This is the plague where God said to Moses, you're to take your people and you're to instruct them to sacrifice a lamb and take the blood and put it on the doorpost. Any house that has that blood over the doorpost, that house is going to be saved. But if the blood's not over the doorpost, the firstborn's going to die. And I'm going to send my death angel is going to move through the entire land and it's going to wipe out anybody that doesn't have that blood of that sacrificed lamb, that pure and spotless lamb that was sacrificed on their behalf. Take that blood over the doorpost and any house that doesn't have the blood on the doorpost, the firstborn is going to end up dying there. But the ones that do have the blood over the door, those are the ones that are going to live. That's the background of this story. It says Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood... I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Where's the Aleph-Tav? Here it is. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are and when I see Aleph-Tav, the blood, when I see Yeshua, when I see Jesus' blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you. When God looks at us, if he sees the blood of Jesus over us, He passes over, and the plague doesn't destroy us. If the blood isn't over us, if Yeshua's blood, if Jesus' blood that was shed on our behalf is not appropriated to us, if we reject that, if we don't put that blood over the doorposts of our lives, it's going to result in death in our house. And when I see Aleph Tav, the blood, I will pass over you. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. This is the Ten Commandments. The first record of the Ten Commandments is Exodus chapter 20. You remember that one of the commandments is not to take the name of the Lord in vain, right? Here's how that actually reads. In English, it says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. What would be an example of taking God's name in vain? Oh, I don't know. Maybe making the name Jesus and the title Christ into an exclamation, an unnecessary exclamation or a swear word in the English language. You ever heard that before? Maybe that's taking God's name in vain. You suppose that he has a problem with that? Where's the Aleph Tav in this verse? There's actually three of them. Three of them in this one verse. You shall not take Aleph Tav, the name of the Lord your God, in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless. Aleph Tav, who takes Aleph Tav, his name in vain. You suppose God feels pretty strongly about that? It seems to suggest that's the case here. How about Exodus chapter 20 verse 8 the very next one the very next commandment is what remember the sabbath day by keeping it holy there's an aleph tav there remember aleph tav the sabbath day to keep it holy what is this sabbath day it's a day of rest this seems to fit well with the words that we find of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sounds like he's the source of our rest. By his own words, we can come to him for rest. And here we have what? A correlation between Olive tab and the Sabbath day. Between Olive tab and the rest. Exodus chapter 25, verse 21 It's describing the lid that was on the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, you'll remember, was a wooden box. that was overlaid with gold, and inside of it was the Ten Commandments and Aaron's rod that budded and the gold jar of manna. It was thought to be the very throne of God, but the throne of God was not the Ark itself. It was not the Ark of the Covenant that was the throne of God. It was the lid on top of the Ark of the Covenant. The lid on top of the Ark of the Covenant was called the mercy seat, and instead of being made of wood overlaid with gold, it was made of solid gold. It was the more significant... Of the pieces there that you had, Exodus chapter twenty-five, verse twenty-one says this: "You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I give you." But it's interesting to see there's an olaf tab. You shall put olaf tab, the mercy seat, the place of mercy, as if Jesus or Yeshua is our place of mercy. Exodus thirty three twelve through 13 then Moses said to the Lord see you say to me bring up this people but you have not let me know whom you will send with me this is Moses up on the mountain he's led the children of Israel out of Egypt and God has used him mightily but now he's up on the mountain and now it's about that time frame of the 10 commandments he's up there God's about to make an appearance to him but while he's up there on the mountain with God Moses is saying, or Moses is complaining, "You haven't let me know, God. You haven't let me know whom you will send with me." There's an olive tav there. You have not let me know olive tav, whom you will send with me. As if Jesus Yeshua is the one that is sent to be with him. As if God's already provided Jesus or Yeshua to go with him. As Moses is complaining, he doesn't know who's being sent to go with him. It's actually already been answered by God. It's Jesus. It's Yeshua. And then it goes on to say, Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. And there's an Aleph Tav there. Show me now, Aleph Tav, your way, as if Jesus is the way, as if Yeshua is God's way. That fits well with John 14:6, when Jesus says, I am the way, and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is God's way. Exodus 33, 18, a few verses later. Please show me your glory. This is Moses speaking to God. Please show me your glory. There's an olive Tav there, of course. Please show me olive Tav, your glory. That's interesting that it's right there as if God's glory is Yeshua, as if God's glory is Jesus. And Moses is saying, please show me that. Please show me probably not even knowing of what he's speaking. But there's an olive top there. Please show me your glory, which is Jesus, which is Yeshua. We get to see that. We have the benefit of these words written down. We have the benefit. It's almost like hindsight is 2020, 20, where we're near the end looking back and we're seeing he's right there standing among you. God is showing him to you and he shows him to us as well. We get the benefit of being able to see God. When we look at Jesus, we see God. Leviticus chapter 9 verse 7 and Moses said to Aaron go to the altar offer your sin offering and your burnt offering and make atonement for yourself and for the people offer the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord commanded if you were to read it with the Aleph Tav in place go to the altar offer Aleph Tav your sin offering as if Jesus becomes our sin offering as if Yeshua foreshadowing of Yeshua being our sin offering. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2 You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep Aleph Tav, the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. This fits well with Jesus' words in John chapter 14, verse 45. If you love me, this is Jesus speaking, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Where's the Aleph Tav in the Deuteronomy passage? Keep Aleph Tav, the commandments of the Lord your God. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear all of Tav me and always keep all of Tav all my commandments that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four and five, a very famous passage. This one says "Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. In fact, Jesus called this the first and most important commandment in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. Where is the olive ta'ae? You know there's an olive ta'ae in here. Where's it going to come in? You shall love olive ta'ae, the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. And once again, just reminding you, Jesus called this the first and most important commandment. Deuteronomy 15, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 11. For the poor will never cease from the land, therefore I command you, saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy in your land. Calling upon us to be kind to the poor, right? Well, it's intriguing where the olive shows up here. You shall open olive Tav, your hand wide, to your brother. That could be suggesting several things, but I propose to you one of the things it does suggest. He cares about the poor. And we find his word in the Gospels support that. But there's also this provocative place that it's positioned where we have, you shall open all top of your hand wide to your brother, just as he opened wide his hands to receive the nails that held him to the cross in our place. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. This is Moses near the end of his life and he's calling upon the children of Israel to recognize they're at a momentous place and they need to choose to follow God and this is the moment of decision and he says to them, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live. He's calling heaven and earth as witnesses but he's also calling, there's an Aleph Tav there, I call Aleph Tav, heaven and earth as witnesses. In addition to heaven and earth being witnesses, we have Yeshua. We have Jesus right there in the midst of that as a witness. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, similar passage. The torch gets passed from Moses to Joshua. Joshua is the next one in command. At the end of Joshua's life, he gives the children of Israel of that generation a similar challenge. And he says, Joshua says this, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Famous passage, right? Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Very famous passage. Two olive Tavs in there. Choose for yourselves this day Aleph And then at the end of the passage, but as for me and my house, we will serve Aleph Judges chapter 16, verses 29 and 30. Talking about Samson, the end of Samson's life. Samson, super strong guy, right? I mean, you read about his strength and you go, man, that's amazing. That's miraculous strength. Where did he get that strength? Here at the end of his life, he's been blinded. His hair had been cut. His hair started to grow back. It's at the very end of his life. He's placed in a place of mockery. He's between two pillars in this temple that's to a foreign god. And as he's standing there, he cries out to God for strength and he pushes on those pillars and the entire temple falls down and kills all these people worshiping the false god. That's your background for this passage. It says, Judges chapter 16, verses 29 and 30. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple. And he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might and the temple fell on the lords of all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. These are the enemies of Israel and these are the worshipers of false gods. But there's an olive tab there. And where's olive tab? and Samson Olive Tav, took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple it sounds like Samson's strength was supernatural in a literal sense that it was Yeshua it was Jesus there giving Samson the strength to push those pillars first Samuel 18:16 but all Israel and Judah loved David David was the second but greatest king that Israel ever had. And he was described as a man after God's own heart. And here we have but all Israel and Judah loved David. And right in between the words loved and David is Alef Tav, as if Aleph-Tav also includes himself in the list of those that love David. First Kings chapter four, verse thirty-four, talking about the wisdom of Solomon. The wisdom of Solomon is still referred to today as something amazing. In verse thirty-four of first Kings chapter four, And men of all nations, from all the kings of the earth, who had heard of his wisdom, came to hear Aleph-Tav, the wisdom of Solomon. How did Solomon get to be so wise? Sounds like it might have been a wisdom of Yeshua, or Jesus, that Solomon was blessed with. Psalm chapter 27, verse 8, King David writes these words. King David, speaking to God, says, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. But we have an Aleph Tav there. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, Aleph Tav, your face, Lord, will I seek. Psalm 119, verse 135, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's the longest of the Psalms. 176 verses... And almost every single verse has to do with God's statutes, his testimonies, his precepts, his commandments, his righteous rules, his word, his law. But here we have verse 135. It says this, make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. We find and teach me all of your statutes. All the things that we would want to know of God, his statutes, his testimonies, his commands, his words, his precepts, his righteous rules seem to have their fullness in all. Olive Tav, in Jesus, in Yeshua. Song of Songs. Song of Songs is a beautiful book in the Bible, unlike any of the other books of the Bible. It's a very romantic love story. And one of the most famous verses from the Song of Songs is this. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. One of the most famous verses from the Song of Songs. We find an olive tab in there many waters cannot quench Tav love. As if to say, you can't drown out God's love. You can't drown out the love of Jesus, the love of Yeshua. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 4. This is the opening of the book of Isaiah. The people have been rebellious. God's people have rejected him. Isaiah is called as a prophet to call him out. In verse 4, it says this, Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors, they have forsaken Aleph Tav, the Lord. They have forsaken Aleph Tav, the Lord. As if to look forward in time to the time when Jesus would be forsaken, when Yeshua would be rejected. But it goes on, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 4, continues and says, They have provoked to anger... Aleph-Tav, the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah 45 and verse 9. Isaiah 45 verse 9 says this, Woe to him who strives with his maker. You have an Aleph-Tav there right before his maker. As if Aleph-Tav, as if Jesus, as if Yeshua could be described as your maker, my maker, our maker. Isaiah 52.10, the Lord has made bare his holy arm. Do you get that word picture there? We call that rolling up our sleeves, getting ready to get busy, right? Getting ready to show our strength. Here it has, the Lord has made bare Aleph Tav, his holy arm. As if when God wants to show his strength, as if when God is getting ready to get busy, there's Aleph Tav, there's Jesus. He's showing Jesus. He's showing Yeshua. But Aleph Tav shows up at the end of the verse as well. Let me read the rest of it. The Lord has made bare Aleph Tav, his holy arm. In the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the Olive Tav, salvation of our God. The salvation of our God. We read that in English and go, the salvation of our God. That's cool. I wonder what it's talking about. Well, there's an Olive Tov there. Maybe he's talking about Jesus. Maybe he's talking about Yeshua, the salvation of our God. Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Very famous passage, Isaiah 53, verse 6. Isaiah 53, if you are a follower of Jesus and you read Isaiah 53, you go, man, it's so clear. It fits Jesus so well from what I know and what I've been told and what I've been taught about Jesus, about Yeshua. This is the chapter that describes probably stronger than any other in the Tanakh in the Old Testament about who my Savior is and what he went through. Out of the midst of that, you have verse 6, And we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Aleph Tav, the iniquity of us all. And I've still got a long way to go. And I'm looking at the time, and here's what I would suggest to you. This is probably a study you're going to want to hear more than once, because I'm going fast. I know I'm going fast, and there's no way this can soak in at the speed that I'm going you got to hear it again. But anyway, let's keep going. Jeremiah 16, verse 21. Therefore, behold, I will this once cause them to know. I will cause them to know Aleph Tav, my hand and my might. And they shall know that my name is the Lord. Jeremiah 21, 8. Now you shall say to this people, thus says the Lord. Behold, I set before you Aleph Tav, the way of life and the way of death. It's not just that these Aleph Tav combinations show up. It's It's where they show up. It's the context in which they show up. I will set before you, Aleph Tav, the way of life. I will cause them to know Aleph Tav, my hand and my might, from the previous verse. Here's another one, Jeremiah 24, 7. Then I will give them a heart to know Aleph Tav. Ezekiel thirty four twelve. As a shepherd, this is talking about a shepherd, right? Ezekiel thirty four twelve. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep so will I seek out Olaf tav my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. Speaking of the shepherd, it sounds like Olaf tav is being likened or being present. His fingerprints are on that part about a shepherd who seeks out a flock that's scattered. Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-three, God speaking here, speaking to Ezekiel to tell the people, I will sanctify my great name, but there's an Aleph-Tav there. I will sanctify Aleph-Tav. My great name. I will sanctify. What does sanctify mean? It means to be set apart for God's purposes and for God's glory. Ezekiel 37 26. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will establish them and multiply them, and I will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. There's an olive tab there. And I will set olive tov, my sanctuary, in the midst of them forever. What is a sanctuary? It's a place where you could go to meet God. Olive Tav is being likened to the sanctuary. If you want to meet God, you go to Yeshua. You go to Jesus. Habakkuk 2.14, a very famous passage from that book. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Very famous passage, speaking of the future, when God will be glorified. Let me read that passage to you again. This time I'm going to put in the Olive Tav. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of Olive Tav, the glory of the Lord as if all Tav is the glory of the Lord, as if all Tav is that future fulfillment of the time that is being spoken of, where the earth will be filled with the knowledge of him. Zechariah twelve ten, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, and they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Famous passage from Zechariah. I bet you can guess where the Aleph-Tav comes in on this one. They will look on me, Aleph-Tav, whom they have pierced. I've heard people teach that this passage refers to Jesus when he was pierced while he hung on the cross. Now it seems even more strongly to suggest that. How about Zechariah thirteen seven? Now this one I want to read in conjunction with Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. Because in Matthew chapter 26, verse 31, we have quoted words from Zechariah thirteen seven. So let's read Zechariah 13, 7 first. This is a prophecy. God saying, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is my companion, says the Lord of hosts. Strike Aleph-Tab, the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. Strike Jesus. Strike Yeshua, and the sheep will be scattered. This is interesting because in Matthew... Jesus reads those same words, and he identifies himself as the shepherd, just right where we saw the olive top. Here we have in Matthew chapter 26, verse 31, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, appropriating that title of shepherd to himself, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. He takes the words of Zechariah, chapter 13, verse 7, and says, Those are speaking of me. Strike olive top the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. So where are we in all of this? Well, using the words of William H. Stanford in his introduction to the Messianic Aleph scriptures, everything in the Torah points to yod Vavheir, vav Hey or Yahweh Father, working with and through Aleph Yeshua HaMashiach, or Messiah, unchanging in their purpose and functioning together as one since creation. Make no mistake, the Aleph symbol of Aleph Yeshua HaMashiach in the Tanakh reveals not only his presence... But the working of his given authority in association with yod or Yahweh Father as one, a direct reflection of yod or Yahweh Father, accomplishing his will through aleph Yeshua for the redemption of man throughout the entire Tanakh. And then one more sentence by William Sanford. He says this, there can be no doubt that the aleph symbol in Hebrew text is Yeshua's mark, his fingerprint which proclaims his presence. I want to take you to some of the words of Jesus. Turn to Luke chapter 24, verse 27. Luke 24, verse 27 says this, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What's the background here? This is Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, walking along the road to Emmaus with the two travelers who are wondering about all the things that just happened. The crucifixion, the burial, and then this report of the resurrection of their leader, Jesus. And they're wondering, what does it all mean? And he's walking beside them, and they don't recognize that it's him. And it says in verse 27, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he, that's Jesus, expounded to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He's teaching them from what you and I would call the Old Testament. He's teaching them from the Tanakh about himself. But where is he teaching from? Maybe it's the Olive Top passages. Luke chapter 24, verse 44, the same passage, just several verses later. This is the Great Commission. Jesus appears to his disciples and he ends up saying to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Jesus saying that it was already written of him in the law of Moses, it was already written of him in the prophets, and it was already written of him in the Psalms concerning him. Basically summarizing and saying, the entire Old Testament points to me. But where? Where does it point to him? Maybe he's referring to all of these olive talk passages. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 7 Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. That's actually a quote from Psalm 40, verse 7. Psalm 40, verse 7 says, Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. Jesus appropriating these words, describing his own situation, that the entire Old Testament points to him. John chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 39, and then we're going to jump down to 45 and 46. Jesus speaking here to the religious leaders of the day who sought to kill him, and he says in verse 39, John chapter 5, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify about me. Let me read that again. You search the scriptures. What were their scriptures? They didn't have the New Testament yet. He's talking to them about the Old Testament. He's talking to them about the Tanakh. He says, you search the scriptures, referring to the Old Testament passages. For in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify about me. Jesus is saying that the Tanakh, the Old Testament, testifies about him. Maybe he's speaking of all of top passages. His fingerprints are all over it. And then verse 45 and 46 of that same passage, of that same chapter, John chapter 5, Ends with a challenge, and maybe I should say even stronger words of warning. Jesus ends up saying to them, Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. And then verse 47, But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? When did Moses write about Jesus? I don't remember Moses anywhere in my English translation making any reference to Jesus. It had to be some other reference other than by name, by the name Jesus. But if you read through it and you look at the Olive Tob passages as pointing to Yeshua, as pointing to Jesus, I think you might find there that's when he wrote about Jesus. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that your word is multi-layered and multifaceted, and that if we dig down a little bit, We don't find that it's wanting. We don't find that it's hollow or empty. We find the adventure gets greater the more we dig. Lord, I pray that you would help us to yearn to know you more. And I pray that you would help us as we dig, that you would reward us if we're diligently seeking you. I pray for your glory. I pray that you would be magnified. And I pray, God, that you would open our eyes to see That you're all over the place. That you're not just a New Testament figure, but you span the Testaments. You are from Genesis chapter 1, the very first chapter of the Bible, to Revelation chapter 22, the very last chapter in the Bible. Truly, you are the first and the last. You are the beginning and the end. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the aleph and the Tav. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.